So <coughs> coming towards the clo- closure of this particular assembly. And just as it takes time to settle in, it takes time to to close properly. So we don't just go out like corks popping out of a bottle. <laughs> hit the first hit the first wall. <laughs> <laughs> struck me. It's an incredible scene at the end of retreat. If you were sitting in noble silence for ten days, and then ding, and then suddenly this incredible rushing bags thrusting in the air, people with boots of cars, you know, jump in the car, zoom down the road. You think, wow, where's that going? You know? <laughs> so. Hmm. So naturally I'm concerned to, um, you know, offer some support however I can. And, uh, you know, we've been scattering seeds, throwing seeds in the air to see which, which ones that land on the chitta for our rewilding project. Some may die out. That's the way it goes, and some but some seeds may take root and oh yeah that's fruitful you know I get that and just to know you have a ground, you have a fertile ground, and you have a lot of potential there. Don't don't ever forget that. Life is never sealed in; it's always alive. It's always subject to change and growth, and pieces fall away and new stuff gr- grows, and that's the way it goes. And for, for lifetimes, if you take on the perspective of um, the Buddha, um, and it's really our process here is we're just meeting karma, and uh, the forces of karma, and the forces of attachment, and craving, and ignorance, uh, which are not always so clear even though they're very starkly presented in the suttas, they're not very clear to us. Mm. And what you know, you don't really know ultimate truth, you don't know Nibbana, you don't know, but what you do know is suffering. Yeah. And you know, you start to get a feeling for th- the loss of space, the loss of time, the speeding up, that's not insignificant, the contracting, the flurrying, and we may assume this is normal, this is daily life. It may be daily life, but it's not natural. This is upadana at work, clutching you, holding you, squeezing you. And the person in that grip is not safe to them for themselves. They must... Uh, and realise it doesn't have to be there. But uh, to release from that pressure that we may you may experience in a number of ways, you have to understand there's a powerful driving force, tanha, to be something, to have a future, to get things sorted. Mm. Well, it's tanha, and it's not again. It's not apparent. It doesn't stand out. It seems normal.
And obviously the chitta does come into a personal form. But what is possible, as being suggested, is one could be born of the Dhamma, as we say in the in the evening chanting. There can be an arising into a personal individual form that comes from Dhamma rather than from Tanha Upadana. <laughs> forces of which one may not be conscious. Instinctive, reactive forces. Forces that you see very much on display around you. And you enter the social domain, urban, social, cultural domain, world of money, and that all that is based upon Tanna Upadana. <laughs> so quite crudely so. And the myth comes, you can't do without this. Even though part of you resents it and feels it stressful, also the other form is ignorance. You, there's no other way. This is it. You don't see any other way. And that's kind of what these assemblies are about. You know, you know it's a, obviously it's constructed, but you know, you can live simply. You know, people in the, these moral binding, moral communities are happy to look, look out for each other, help each other. You know, compromise. It's not absolutely, totally glossy smooth, but you can manage the bumpy bits. <laughs> and uh, this gives one a, a sense, you know, of what way different. And then in that, in this particular nursery here, you know, this little piece of wild land we've been cultivating or seeding, what particular sprouts come up for you? And this is something that the assembly can't tell you, but you look into your chitta for that. As you begin to use this uh, process, this practice, this occasion, as an offering, you know, to give you the time and the space and the tools to begin to clear the debris and the tangle that occludes the chitta, even to get a peek in there, even to recognize that somewhat we regard as normal and the way I always have to be. No, those are programs. They're not true self. They're programs. And they are painful programs. And they are frustrating programs. And they're dead-end programs. You know, if you don't know anything else, you know, you begin to get that. (laughs) You know, maybe not on all of them, but you see some of them are just really, well, this is, you know, you want to live with this. And through the courage and the persistence and some skills you develop, being able to say, see a way through those programs, not with necessarily even, you know, fighting them, but finding we do have this innate health, I would call it, in colloquial terms, you know, which is the, we have a somatic intelligence and we have a heart intelligence, awareness, chitta, and if we keep trusting those and going back to those for our guide and clearing those, they get increasingly confident and they tell you truth because that's where they are. Mm-hmm. And you begin to sense, well, you've got to stand on your truth and, and listen to the messages that, first of all, the messages that take you away from it contracting I am messages generally 
Mm. Well, very, very fundamentally, actually. Can there be a rising of of an individual without an I am sense tagged onto it? Well, this is certainly presented in the uh, in the Buddhist teachings, and uh, you know, obviously, the language still can say that. Increasingly, you begin to sense that possibility because other other ways of forming begin to operate, such as forming around integrity, forming around kindness, goodwill, compassion, forming around that, just getting the signal. You don't quite know how that's going to change your daily life in every detail because they're not specific. They don't say, you know, put $10 on Lucky Boy in the 230 or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give you that kind of tip. <laughs> But they do say, first of all, you've got to look after yourself. <laughs> and uh, you look after yourself and trust the goodwill. You know, trust that, that rising glow, because it keeps you alive. You don't know how long for, but <laughs> you know, trust the Dhamma. And he started to get his messages, but I can't do this for the rest of my life. Well, what life? <laughs> you know, this is one of those kind of uh, those statements. Where do they come from? How long are you going to live? <laughs> and it always, it always takes you out of real time into, into speculative time, the future the rest of my life. Uh, the sound of it is just so, oh dear, you hear that sound, oh dear. There's that sound, the, the, the frightened sound. I don't know, but I don't like that sound. I don't want to follow that sound, whatever. Yeah. I'll just wing it. Mm. So in what is called insecurity from the uh, world of Tana Upadana <laughs> is considered security in, the <laughs> in this Dhamma because we don't lose our goodwill and we don't lose our integrity and we, don't, we, we stay with our time, our real time which is, can fluctuate from very, very slow when you go deep till it almost becomes timeless as time seems to stop when you go very deep into your chitta and then more lively or engaged when you're coming up into emotional responsiveness and even fairly fast moving when you engage your thinking you can figure things out okay but still you're in your there's a sense of the time doesn't have a have a you're not being dragged you can you can run in in nature you can walk you can run you can swim there's a variety of moves but you're not driven in that sense, you're in your time. And just to remember, of course, retreat time tends to be emphasizing the slower range and the more, you know, of that nature. But, uh, you know, you don't want to kind of fixate on, on slowness either. This is, this is time. Then you freeze it. Time is actually very <coughs> fluid. 
it's really a measure of space and you know recognizing the pushes and the squeezes and just pause and this is one simple can do accessible thing to build into your lives is the ability to pause and listen yeah listen to all the inner jangles and pressures and what's that voice no I don't know I I know that one isn't what I want to follow and then your truth begins to form around what we don't do This takes a while, but pausing, so it's, it's the simplicity of it and the fact you can do it for 10 seconds makes it very portable. You go find 10 seconds, it's a pause. After breakfast, what's happening? What are the sankharas that are rising? Skillful, unskillful, trustworthy? Or strangely familiar, but when you listen to the voice and the sound, it sounds like fear, sounds like frustration, sounds like depression, sounds like got to, ought to, have to. Mm, Doesn't sound very healthy to me. Can I trust? Pausing, how is that in my body? Where is the ground? Where is a safe place in this body? And then now what feels about right for the next moment? Forget the rest of my life. (laughs) So I find this just, you could do this 20, 10 times a day, 10 seconds. Which is useful to build it in as almost like a random thing, set your phone to just go off at certain times and stop. Right, it's not going to kill anybody, you know. What's happening? To get used to checking in. Yeah, checking in, affamada. Be well, diligent, vigilant, attentive. Not uptight, but learn to listen. Pause, listen. What's, what's happening? What's really happening? What's happening in your body? Where's the ground now? Can you find your time? Mm, your time. Mm. And if you so, and if you're in situations that don't allow that, then you realise well you're in risk, deep risk, and you can only you'll be careful with that risk because in that pressure you can get pushed into some very uh, difficult and unprofitable and locked situations. Find your time. Mm. 
There's a saying in, uh, they, they found a, there was a particular poster that was created in the Second World War in Britain when they, that 1940, when it seemed quite likely that the Nazi Germany would invade because they'd taken over everywhere else in Europe. So, well, they thought, well, we'll be next. There was a distinct likelihood that that was going to happen. So they printed this poster with a crown on it. It said, you know, the poster said, keep calm and carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you may see some strange people walking around speaking a different language. Never mind, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad idea, not a bad notion. <laughs> just, you know, things are going crazy around you. Pause, keep calm, carry on. Where? Well, you know, listen, listen. Mm. Enter the domain of goodwill. And what happens from there? This isn't just say, may I be well, may you be well, but actually enter, touch into that potential of chitta. This is the first, you might say, the first arising from the ground, from somewhere we're not really a person, it's just presence into something, because metta is the most appropriate way, just plain logical way, to enter into a shared situation where there are other people around. I mean, what else should you have present but sense of, well, let's live in a world of goodwill, you know, because how else is it going to happen? Mm. Well, how else can there be people living together, operating together, unless there's that? Mm. Touching into that, and we've been throwing that seed onto the ground for, uh, you know, 25 days or so, and uh, say it's something that rather than this is what you've got to do, but also to recognize this is natural and I seek my welfare and uh, touch into that natural quality. I don't know where that welfare is right now, but I know I trust the mood. Go into the mood, see what your person can do with that. Certainly people operating together on the ground of goodwill is going to be a pretty nice place to be. And this basically means trying to also see the human everywhere, the human predicament everywhere. And how are you? What's happening for you? Uh Uh-huh. Sounds like you're in trouble. Uh Uh-huh. Seems you want something from me. Uh-huh. Well, how are you doing? <laughs> Just, you know, try to pause and almost, you know, encourage a pause in the people you meet just to touch this place. Yeah. Isn't it natural? And if you can resonate some of that quality, uh, isn't it likely that most people will pick that up? Because people like to feel goodwill. It's, it's enjoyable. It takes the stress out. It takes the pressure off. 
So this must be our basic ground of arising into the individual, heart quality. So you're throwing this seed on the ground. Doesn't mean we necessarily have answers or we can do something. We enter a domain of of mutuality and mm, I do not let my mind shut down with fear. I do not let my mind shut down with resentment. I do not let my mind shut down with impatience. This is something you can kind of have as a, you know, a mantra also. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The other person, what they, I do not let, I have some say over my mind. I do not let my mind shut down in those ways. And if you don't do that, you refuse to do that, there's a strong chance that more helpful, mature, and mutually negotiated relationships can occur. So speaking and being and standing on the ground of truth rather than the ground of mythologies, which is what, by and large, the Tana Upadana realm presents mythologies as a successful person, and successful person is, yeah, well, they're generally comfortably well off, they're generally happy, they're healthy, they've got 2.3 kids, they are... (laughs) Well, where are these people? (laughs) You know, and they're working productively, doing all kinds of fun, interesting things, working for IBM or Exxon, having a great time, just really swinging along there. What are these people? <laughs> you know. So, mythology, you know, you know, we look at elements that seem ridiculous. Still, the standard mythology is somewhere in this... Uh, Tana Upadana realm, there's going to be a safe, comfortable place you can guarantee look after you. (laughs) Until until they give you the sack or the currency crashes or the next housing housing bubble bursts or the bankers do a deal and everything flops. Yeah. And so on and so on and so on, and suddenly you get thrown out of your house, can't pay the mortgage, you know, can't get the loan. Mm. You know, mythologies, isn't it? Tana Upadana presents these, and you're bombarded with that. Yeah, media, TV, internet, whatever, you're bombarded with that, that kind of glossy veneer. So you, you know, someone who is uh, seeking their own welfare and wanting to abide in the domain of ill will is definitely going to be a lot more careful about what they even give their attention to, let alone their actions. Just don't need any more of those messages, like the message of truth instead. And listen to that, turn to that, return to that, take a chance. And the messages in your own brain, in your own mind that come running through, where have they come from? 
Did they come straight from the pure chitta? <laughs> or did they come from the various, you know, tangles and weaves that Tanna Upadana created for you? You got to be the pressure, the loss of space, the loss of freedom, the oblig- the the, you know, the grind, and the no no other no alternative, no way out. Those messages. And what will happen to you when you're if you don't do this? Well, you look at your mind. Think, what will happen to me if I do do this? <laughs> so, you're a neurotic wreck. Because that's something you, you definitely can sense where those those where those railways lead to. <laughs> no, no, I don't want that. I'll take a chance with the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. This is the going forth, really, in essence. And it's up to all of us to you wanna join the the Aryans, the noble ones, the stream entries, those on the path of the stream entry, those who are Really living in Kundadama, you have to go forth, and that's always that edge, that risk, where you don't know. You meet the wave. So certainly, my, you know, I tumbled into a, to a monastery, more or less, just because of where I was. I didn't think I could possibly have the self-discipline to do meditation without something, kind of some structure to hold me together. It was pretty wild, and I thought, oh, you better, I know me well enough by now. <laughs> so, put it somewhere. And then it was very, it was very full on, because it was, um, it was just in a hut, you know, a small hut, three years, silence, nobody to talk to, nothing to do, sit there three years, walk up and down slowly around the hut, inside the hut, you know, take a break and look at the moon, wow, that was the, it was the evening entertainment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> listen to the frogs, swat, you know, dodge the mosquitoes and look at the moon, and naturally it wasn't that, that comfortable a time, and I, thought, and I could hear all these messages going on about Oh, it's so nice, you know, you could go out there, you could hear, somebody in the village, you could hear people playing music. Oh, it's so nice, just having a relaxed time. What's wrong with that? It's kind of, yeah, but you already did that. Oh, shut up. (laughs) 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 And I could could go and, yeah, but you did it. Where did that go? Yeah. But then again, yeah, but you did that too. Where did that go? Mm. You're kind of concocting fantasies of what one could do, uh, getting more and more ludicrous. I think I ended up thinking, well, maybe I could live somewhere in the hills with have, grow carrots and have some goats, <laughs> <laughs> live off goats, milk, and carrots. <laughs> this isn't even funny anymore. You know? <laughs> this is getting pathetic. So I just said, well, you don't, you don't know. There's this kind of wave of panic. I'll be stuck here for the rest of my life. I'll be stuck here for the rest of my life. <laughs> the rest of my life, stuck here for the rest of my life. You know, just just a moment, you're here for one moment only. <laughs> Let the wave rise, the wave of panic, and just hold the wave and 
Okay, it's just another day breathing out. Tomorrow you can leave. Tomorrow you can leave. Okay. Tomorrow, next day. It's not so bad, you know. Quite warm, pleasant. Walk up and down a bit. Nice people. People have come bring some food. Yeah, until the evening. Okay, now to here. I can't stand this another moment. <laughs> Just okay. There's a panic. <laughs> this went on for about three years. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, one of those senior monks. That, there's 50 vassas now. Senior monk in the Wat Ba Pong Sangha. He. I think he went forth temporarily, you can do that in Thailand, he went forth for one rains is the is the conventional time. You, one rains retreat which is three months. You do it just as a thing to do, but like doing a long retreat. And he went forth. So and then you can leave afterwards. And then they say hey, did this rains, I think he might have done one or two and thought, oh yeah, that's about it, I can't stand this. I gotta get I can't stand this. And he went to see Ajahn, Ajahn Chah and said, Ajahn, Lumpur, Lumpur, I, I need this robe. So you can't. <laughs> but I need this, no, you can't. Go back to the morning. Try again next week, maybe. Uh-huh. I mean, next week. No, you can't. You're not allowed to disrobe yet. Yeah. You, you, you know, you're just going through a tough patch. Go back. 50 years later, <laughs> <laughs> it died. <laughs> Whatever it was, <laughs> the panic wave arose. And eventually, just I think I mean it wasn't that he could. He could just say, "Well, I'm doing it anyway." You know? And of course, many people say, "Yeah, fine." But I think Ajahn Charles saw something in this person. Said, "No, no, you just—it's just having a, you know, panic attack. That's normal. Just a little bit more patient and get through that. You'll deepen." And he did. Yeah. So these are these are the things that happen to people. It's all very very human, yeah. And then when you you know so when you look at your life situation, you know, oh, I can't manage. I can't manage. Pause. Where are you? Breathe out slowly. Here you are. Okay. be well. What's a kindly thing to do now? Let's just take a breath, walk up and down, talk to somebody, just come down again. <laughs> yeah. It's those, Tana Upadana throws us into these dead ends, locked places, and you realize actually that, that that's never the case. That's not nature. Nature doesn't have that. There's always... Rivers move, mountains shift, oceans rise and sink, nothing locks. If you're in lock, then you're in Tana Upadana. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you know exactly what to do, but you know you need to soften out of that. Pause, breathe out. Bring up the mind of goodwill. Patience. Bear with it. A little bit more. Yeah. And and extend it. We're in a human context.
So in terms of just this um, retreat period then, there are obviously the techniques and things that are taught. And hopefully one or two of those pieces land and give you some skills. But there's also just having been here, you know, and recognizing how it does go in waves. You do come into these very, well, I don't know, but I imagine some of you, many of you have mentioned, you come to some pretty intense places. Well, and just even talking it out, and, and you come through. And every time you hit an intense place, and you open, soften, take your time, don't get panicked, don't believe in it, but don't repress it. Open your jitta. You know, you come through. You come through and you're clearer and you're stronger every time you come through. Every time you come through, you're clearer and stronger and you're more out of the grip. This is something you can know. And these aren't, you know, formal meditation instructions certainly give you, are helpful for that, but there's a process that you're in. A process of karma, of the vipaka karma, of the results of having been inducted into a, a world of delusion. It's not your fault. You know, one of the lock systems of Tana Upadana is to say it is. That you're neurotic. You're grumpy. You know, let's face it, you haven't got it. <laughs> you know, the lock was actually, you know, you were your chitta was conditioned into this. You know. And the saboteur says it's your fault. Yeah. And those messages turn towards you. Who? Who is that? This is where this teaching on Anatar is really helpful and again another very helpful memo. Whenever the self I am, I could be, I will be, I won't be, what will I be, how will I be, what will I do if who? Who is that? Yeah, well, it's me, but, but who? Um, you know, name, identity, gender, size, shape. No, no, that's not what's happening. It's not your hair that's doing it. <laughs> it's it's some psychological piece. Who is, what, what's its nature? It's moving, it's blurring, it's fast, it's, it's tangling. You want to trust that? You believe that? That's going to tell you the truth? <laughs> it's going to tell you the truth. Why does it sit down quietly and speak to you in kind words? <laughs> so it's not telling you the truth. It's not that there's no voice there. It's not that there's no energies there. It's not that there's no passions and fears and there. But to say, this is what I am, this is my core quality. I am this and, and I have to be this and I have to follow this. No, this is not true. This is not safe. This is a ticket on the railroad. Sangsara. So, but, so there's no self then? No, the Buddha didn't say that. He didn't say categorically there is or isn't a self. He said, but what you experience as yourself Mm. Listen, look at that. Is there something you can trust?
If it is, it would sit down quietly and speak to you kindly. If it doesn't, it is not worth listening to. Or if it listen to it, you listen to it with a sense of, hmm, who are you? What are you doing here? Where did you come from? Hmm? Who's your father and mother? I think it was Tana Upadana getting together again, wasn't it? <laughs> and what, what are you, what are you, where are you going? You know, I think I know that one too. Uh, good luck. I'm out. <laughs> you start to just, you know, I know you, Mara. Is is the phrase? And when then that in that kind of dispelling, you know. and interesting enough, this is again because images are often much more useful, much less deceptive than words. Because remember, we've learned a language, and uh, where did the language come from, and what's the language structured around the messages? I am, you are, he is, she, she is. Yeah, that's a, that's a false statement for a start. And all the messages that go on in the media, the words that become common and the words that die out. Do you hear the word equanimity splashed across the headlines? <laughs> Patience? <laughs> Sympathetic joy? <laughs> What do you hear? Fear, terror, panic, crisis, greed—you know, incitements to greed—and you're saturated in that. So you can't even even useful words. We just believe in the concept, and you don't touch the reality. So using coming to the image, what's this feel like? What does it look like? What shape is it? What's its energy? You know, feeling in your body, feeling in your heart. Mm. and you touch the earth, touch the ground, and then something else arises. Mm. So we may assume, you know, that the Buddha Dharma is all about letting everything dissolve, and in a way that that is necessary, and it's ultimately true, finally true. But for this lifetime, it's also about looking for the response from the chitta that allows an individual to arise. Since there are these aggregates. So it's not just about sitting back or being quiet and letting everything stop. And that's somehow the final statement. It's about letting the sankharas, the defunct, defunct, dysfunctional, defective, Mara messages cease and then listening in. You know, we listen into depth, into the stillness, and then as we say, okay, there's a world here. There's a being here. There are other beings here. What's the res- what, what does the jitter respond to with that? What's coming up? Hmm? And in the in the imagery used around the Buddha's awakening, this is a similar process, whereby uh, the Buddha touched the earth, beset by this host of Mara, boredom, fatigue, lethargy, cowardice, drowsiness, 
aversion, passion, the host of Mara. Not having a good day, you might say. <laughs> I think it's really interesting the Buddha got enlightened in the middle of all that, rather than some, you know, $45 million centrally heated, air-conditioned, toxic-free meditation center. <laughs> Yes, sitting out under some tree, feeling feeling deserted by his friends, <laughs> half starved to death in India, rough place, and all these tormenting doubts and passions and fear and besetting him and touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why why touch the earth? Well, we've been doing it. That's why. And then the, the myth, the story, the poetic image is then this goddess of the earth rises up. Uh, it's an image of this um, earth goddess rises up and testifies and presents him with you have cultivated virtues for lifetimes. Something you didn't know. Personally, don't person doesn't know that you don't know the virtues that brought you here, you know, because they're embedded in the chitta. Hmm? You know, sometimes you wonder if you, when you were six years old, did you think this would happen? Is there any way of predicting it? And yet somehow, just through crash this, you know meet that, dodge that, fumble around in this, get lost in that for a while, jitter somehow finding its some track. And just through almost seemingly random circumstances, accidents, collisions, pains, sufferings, joys, openings, you know, that's, that's life. That's the real thing. Not the program that you get structured into. <laughs> that's the real thing. And in there, there is the virtues. Virtues is a very, perhaps, archaic word, but the qualities are there. And this time when the Buddha touched the earth, this earth goddess rises up. This is a soft force, a soft, nourishing, replenishing force rises up. And the mythology, she just has this very long hair and rings her hair and floods of water comes down from her hair and washes away the host of Mara. What's, you know, what does that mean? Is it a technique? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps if, perhaps if Ajahn Sajido grew his hair long, we'd be a lot happier. <laughs> this is this is the voice of Chitta soft quality, it's not aggressive, it's not hard-edged, it's not domineering, it's just acknowledging, you know, the acknowledgement. It gives you back to yourself, you could say. This is a beautiful quality of the, the voice of the chitta. It gives you back to yourself. It empowers you in a not aggressive way, but remember your quality. Yeah. You, you were born from this ground. You're still on this ground. And the rest of it's just been a, 
crazy, haphazard, properly in of unavoidable series of programs that you just get shuttled around in. Touch that, remember that. So the the messages, the counter contradictory messages are the messages of finality. You have to, you've got to, it'll only go this way. The messages of, you know, lock. The messages of uncertainty, but you can't keep doing this the rest of your life after all, da, 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 da. you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. The messages of frustration, I'm stuck, I can't, why can I ever get it when I can't really ever meditate, I can't. And all of them come up with the big I am, and that needs to be looked into and picked apart. Oh, here's the fear, here's the anxiety, here's the sadness, here's the despair, here's the sense of burden. Can I just pull this out, hold it carefully, hold it mindfully, allow it to pass. That's the nature of them when they're revealed. That's the nature of Dumbas when they're revealed. They they self-deconstruct. So what um, within that, that's the essence of practice. And then, you know, giving yourself the time to look at what sort of structures help to hold you in that. And certainly, you know, the, the standard structures, which is going to be consciously taking refuge, constantly, consciously determining precepts, moral values, and not just as a, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but taking it down to the chitta. This is like, do you stand for this or not? What is it that doesn't want to bother? What what doesn't? Does anything not stand for non-violence? Anything? Oh, you can't possibly. No, no, no. Anything really solid stand for that? I can try. That's all it's like. I can try. I can't promise. I can try. I can undertake to refrain. I can try. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can aspire. I can keep my faith on that. Mm. So we. You know, you take that in, and it gives you a feeling of, now you know who you are. Precepts, refuges, uh, very significant. Mm. Kalyanamita, spiritual friends, associations with the, the skillful, either visiting, hanging out, being with, reading, listening, something that keeps reminding you, giving you the right messages, giving you the domain to dwell in of uh, mutuality, of mutual respect, care and concern. Mm. These must be, I would say, for all of us, absolutely necessary structures to, to preserve ourselves from the grip, powerful forces of delusion. Look into it. Anything that's taking you out of that possibility, I don't think you're safe, frankly.
messages that tell you it doesn't matter, you can do it on your own, I wouldn't trust them, frankly. You know, we're dealing with a very powerful force here, and it's only chitta that can, can get through that. The person cannot do it. Jitta can. That's, and jitta is not stuck inside a body. We've made a lot about body reference, but it's not certainly not stuck inside your body. It's measureless. It doesn't work in terms of space and time. It's something that can occur and be very open in the presence of others or closed. It's not me. It's a field of intelligence which other intelligences can merge with, share. It's, it's you know, and so one can also find that sense of, of uh, you know, clarity in the presence of spiritual friends. In fact, that's necessary to often just to keep revealing where we're getting stuck. So this is also very significant and absolutely required aspect of of structure in your life. Look into things like structuring in the pause, find your time. Time is important, your time. And you can find that time probably in 10 seconds, maybe half a minute. Something tells you you don't have time for 10 seconds, I don't think you're safe. You haven't got 10 seconds, you know. Somebody tells you you don't have 10 seconds, sneeze and blow your nose, because that'll take longer than 10 seconds. (laughs) They'll always allow you to do that. And find your time and what into the domain of goodwill. So these are things to just uh, to bear in mind, to practice with, to get the feeling for. Mm. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> I hope you find your way.